so we just, we just finished our series on 1 Peter uh, in Summer at One Chapel last week, and this week we're starting into uh, Surrendered, which is our, our series where we're just going through the book of James, going through the book of James. And before we get into chapter one, that's a good place to start. Uh, just in case you need a little background, in case you're maybe unfamiliar, just to orient ourselves. So James, uh, one of the brothers of Jesus, no pressure, right, as a family member. Can you imagine? Like, why can't you be like your brother? Well, no one can be like my brother. <laughs> Mom, you know, anyway. Uh, but uh, so James was a leader in the church in Jerusalem after Jesus' resurrection. And we call this the book of James, uh, and it's included right in there with some other letters. And this is, it's, it starts out like a letter, but it's not really a letter. What, what happened, the way that we have this is that James was known for his, like, his wisdom, his advice, especially about practically living for God in a world that is sometimes hostile towards, uh, towards that type of living. Right? And so as a, as a leader in the church, he was well known for his, his wisdom, his advice, and he at one point decided, I'm just going to write this stuff down, and I'm going to collect my best stuff. I'm going to collect my, this is like a greatest hits of James, right? He collected his best wisdom, his most sound and sage advice, and some of it is very short. Some of it, uh, you know, some of it is, uh, is like, almost reads like Proverbs. Some of it is longer discussions of stuff, but he compiled all of his best stuff and he sent it out to the other churches, a lot of other churches in the Roman Empire. So, uh, so it's not really a letter. It begins that way, but it's more of like, think of it as one of, almost like one of the wisdom books, like, like Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. So this is some practical advice from James, but also you know, I, I like to say a lot that I, I tend to think practically. I'm practically spiritual. I think very practically. But when we have some practical application of the Word of God, there's deep spiritual implication. Uh, we're, we're, we're solid. We're practically applying some of these principles that, that, that God teaches us. And, and practical application of knowledge is wisdom, right? And that's, so this is, this is a book of wisdom that we're getting into. And one of the things that I notice as I'm going back into the first, uh, first chapter of James is that we're going to see a lot of things here in chapter 1 of James that we saw last week in chapter 5 of First Peter, all right? So I'm going to start actually with, uh, with, with First Peter 5, 10, and this is in the New King James. Um, so Peter said, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while... May he perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. We talked about this a little bit last week, about how that is God's plan for you. His plan for you in all of the things that you're going through in his life and all of the ways that you respond to him. His plan for you is to perfect you, to make you better and better and better and better, to enhance your ability to hear from him, to follow him. To, to, to listen and to receive and to pour out his love. He wants to establish you. He wants to strengthen you. And he wants to settle you, both in the sense of giving you peace and also in the sense of being firm in what you believe and being settled on your stance in him. So James 1, 2 through 4. This is in the New King James as well. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Sounds a lot like what Peter was saying God's plan is for us, to perfect, to establish, to strengthen, and to settle you. And James is saying, let patience submit to the process is what he's asking us to do. Submit to the process. God has a plan in it for you, and that plan is that you may be perfect and complete, that you may be lacking nothing. So throughout Peter's uh, letter to his first Peter, he wrote about our responses to our situations, our responses to other people, our responses to authorities, our responses to the trials of life. And if I'm real honest, sometimes our responses to the victories in life can also be a challenge for us. Sometimes things get going too good and we kind of forget why they're going good and we lose sight of him. So even, even a triumph can be a form of trial in which God is wondering what our response is going to be. Are we going to turn to him when it's good? Are we going to turn to him when it's bad? Are we going to acknowledge him in all things, or are we going to try and do it ourselves if the conditions are right? So Peter was saying, no matter what others act like, our job as followers of Jesus is to respond with love, service, and submission. And here in the book of James, he's saying right off the bat, in trials, our response should always be humility to God and submission to him. There's a process that God is taking us through. And the biggest opportunity for our growth is in our trials. The biggest opportunity for us to grow is when things aren't going well. I mean, you, you know this, just like it's, it's, it's exercise science, right? When, if you want your muscles to grow, you need to stress them to a point where they break. And then when they grow back, well, in, not in me, but in some people, when they grow back, they grow back bigger. They grow back stronger because they've been through a testing and then patiently you wait and they grow back stronger. Our lives are the same way. Our greatest opportunity for growth, our greatest opportunity for development and for maturity is in our responses to our trials. It's not about, we mentioned this last week as well, it's not about what is happening to you. Jennifer mentioned this just a moment ago. What's happening to you is real. Nobody's saying that you're not going through real stuff. But what we are saying is that it's not about the circumstance. His main concern is, what is that circumstance producing in you? If it's not producing a turning to him and a reliance on him to guide you through you, you, you just refuse to submit to God in it, and then not too far in the future, you find yourself going through the same old thing again, going around that mountain one more time. And it's because it's not about the circumstance. It's about our response in the circumstance. His plan for us is to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle us. And the more we allow ourselves to submit to that process, the more it creates in us strength, peace, perseverance, confidence. You might wonder, well, why, why do we need these things to be produced in us? There's a couple reasons. Number one, it's good for you. Internally, it's good for you. God wants to, wants to bring testing and trial in the same way that a muscle grows. God wants to bring testing and trial into our lives to stretch us a little bit so that we can grow stronger on the outside, on the other side of it. When we do, 
when we see where he's brought us, when we see what turning to him has produced in our lives, then it strengthens our relationship with him. It increases our trust in him. It increases our confidence that, oh, he brought me through that. He's going to bring me through the next thing. So it's good for us internally. Our level of faith, our depth of relationship in him grows. But outwardly, when you respond to trial in a way that is unusual in the world, people notice. People notice. And I'm sure just about everybody in this room has had someone at one point or another comment about the way you've gone through that, the way you've handled that. How are you dealing with this? I would be a wreck. I would be a mess. But you seem to be handling it okay. You seem to be moving forward through it. When our response to trial is a turning to God, it's observable by other people. And a big part of why we're here and we're going through what we're going through is not just about us. It's about people who don't know him yet. And as we go through things and we go through them in the way that God is asking us to, by turning to him, by relying on him, by calling upon his name, by declaring who he is in the midst of it, and by allowing him to move us through, that's noticed. That's noticed. And it turns other people and makes them want to find out, what do you have? What do you have that's allowing you to go through this thing that was going to crush me if I was going through it? So this production that God is taking us through, this refinement in us is kind of a a leveling up in a way. We all want to get better at things, you know. We want to get better at the things that we're doing. We want to get better at our job. We want to get better at relating to people. So we, we have personal skills that we want to level up on. We have interpersonal skills that we want to level up on so that we're not so darn awkward all the time. I want to get better at the way that I relate to people, the way I understand people, the way I listen to people, and, and the things that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing when I'm listening. I want to get better at that. We all have this desire in our lives to level up. We don't want to stay stagnant. And we certainly don't want to regress. Whatever we're doing, we want to do it with all our might as to the Lord and get better at it. We want to see advancement. But in everything, in everything that we want to level up in, it costs us something. We've been seeing a lot of movies lately, and I keep reminding my family that I have leveled up in movie seeing because I am now a Regal Unlimited member. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's pretty amazing. I can just walk. It's like they know me. It's really cool. I just like flash my phone and it's got my picture there. Like, well, hello, Mr. Shaw. So glad you're seeing a movie with us today. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Um, and I get, you know, I get, I get bonus points and stuff. And so like I can, I love popcorn when I go to the movies. One thing I don't love is spending 10 bucks for popcorn because I know how much that whole jar of popcorn costs and it ain't that, right? <laughs> so I don't like paying a lot for popcorn, but also I don't like not having it when I go to the movies. So this is not an advertisement for Regal. I'm just saying, as a Regal Unlimited member, <laughs> I earn points with every movie that I see. And how it's been this summer, it's been like, I know it's been a good movie summer, but there have been like three or four times I've gone in, gotten a large popcorn, they scan the thing and they say, okay, that'll be $1.80 because I've got points. I've leveled up, right? <laughs> I have leveled up in my movie going. It's amazing. Man, if only it were that easy everywhere else. But, but anytime we want to level up, it costs us something. If we want to level up in a skill, it costs us time. 
It costs us energy. It costs us effort. It costs us sweat equity. If we want to level up in interpersonal skills, it costs, it costs us time. It costs us effort. It costs us in, in, in vulnerability because we can't, we can't get closer to people without revealing more of who we are, right? So it costs us in that way. If you want to level up in movie going, it costs you $18.99 a month, um, but it pays for itself in two visits. So it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> I will see you all at the, ne- at the Regal Cinema because I know everybody's going to be an unlimited member now. We're talking about leveling up, and James is actually talking about leveling up here in the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. Um, and he's continuing on a theme that we saw in 1 Peter, right? Leveling up in the Spirit, leveling up in the kingdom of God, advancing and moving through this process in a way that moves us forward only comes from being humble before God and trusting Him. So for uh, James 1, 5 through 7, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So the Lord is wanting to give out wisdom, James says, but it's going to cost you something. You have to ask him. You have to believe, and you have to not doubt. And so it costs us something interpersonally with God because the two things that are the hardest for so many of us are asking for help and not doubting. But that's what it's going to take. God is ready to pour out wisdom liberally to anybody who asks. But you have to be willing to ask, and you have to not doubt him when he gives you the answer. But if we can do that, we can level up. Actually, as we grow in that ability, James in verse 9, he's pointing to a benefit of leveling up. And it's kind of ironic the way he says this. James 1.9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. That's kind of weirdly ironic, isn't it? Like Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Not the kind of pride that leads to a fall, but recognizing, right, that, oh, I'm leveling up in God. I'm I, I can feel good about that. I can feel good that, that the Lord has seen me as presenting my heart in such a way that he can speak to me. And in that, on that I hang my hat. In that I take pride. James 1.12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Again, leveling up. God has promised a crown of life to those who love him, but it costs us something to those who love him, to those who obey his word. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who approaches him must approach him uh, and believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So it takes faith, which is a cost for us. We have to believe in that which we can't see right away. And it takes obedience. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. So he has a crown of life for us. He wants to bestow it upon us. But it costs us. He freely gives, but it requires a response from us. James 1.17, again, about leveling up. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. What an honor 
to be chosen like this by the God of creation. What an honor. Like he makes us alive in the revelation, like the revelation that he gave to Peter that we were talking about. Upon this rock, the revelation of who Jesus is, I'm going to build my church. He gives us that revelation and we can build a life on it. And he, he sustains us in the word of truth. I love this, this part of this passage though, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. We're an extension of what he created in the garden. We're an extension of the perfection. We're the first fruits of what he created. Your identity is in that. Who you are is as a first fruits of what he created, right? Sometimes we get kind of mixed up and we think, oh, well, I'm just a sinful person and that's my identity. No, 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 that's not your identity. This says here, James says that you are like a first fruits of all that he created. God didn't create sin. We sin, that's true, but that's not who we are. That's not who we are in him. In Christ, he is perfecting us. He's establishing us. He's settling us. He's strengthening us. So sin might be something that unfortunately and embarrassingly I do from time to time, but it's not who I am. Sin is what we do, but it's not who we are. Sin is what we do and we repent and then he restores us, but it's not your identity. And to, to sum up this idea of leveling up by humbling ourselves, we go back to 1 Peter 5. He says, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And just like in 1 Peter 5, James is giving us some practical application Practical steps for training to walk in this humility. James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So no one should say, oh, that's God's fault. God, how, would you, how dare you put that on me? God doesn't do that. Rookie mistake if we say that he does. So James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak slow to become angry. James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So in verse 13, 19, and 26, one thing that's really important to notice is that it all has to do with stuff that comes out of your mouth. It all has to do with the things that we declare, the things that we speak. Why is there such a huge emphasis on the things that we declare and the things that we speak? Because the things that you speak are evidence of the things that are in your heart. Jesus said this in Mark 7, 18 through 21. The Pharisees were talking to him about and saying, why don't you uh, do this ceremonial cleansing before you eat your food? How dare you, Jesus? How dare you let your disciples eat without ceremonial, ceremonially cleansing themselves according to our tradition? And Jesus says, don't you see Nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. That's kind of gross. <laughs> and Jesus went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it's from within. It's out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. What we speak reveals what is in our hearts. And that's why James puts a big emphasis on the tongue. And we need to be mindful of what's actually coming out of our mouth because there is power in your declaration. There's power in your confession. 
confession and declaration are matters of life and death. And it's, it's, I mentioned this two weeks in a row now. We're only in charge of our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions. Everything else is up to God. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, we bring every thought under captivity of Christ. Because it's the thoughts that we have that influence the attitudes that we have that result in the things that we confess about ourselves, about others, about God himself. And it's defiled thoughts, or one version says unclean, unclean thoughts out of an unsubmitted heart that result in a defiled confession that misrepresents who Jesus is. So there's, there's a counterpoint here, right? He's, he's pointing to the things that are going on inside of us. And James just told us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. All good things come from him. And all these things that he pours into us help us move through the process that he's trying to take us through. So what takes us out of the process? It's all the stuff that comes from us. It's, all the, it's our doubts. It's our fears. It's our pride. It's the positions of our heart that are at odds with God, where we want to hold on to our own. We want to do it our own way. We think we can do better than God can do. We're unwilling to submit, unwilling to release something, unwilling to tell him everything. It's those things that we harbor and don't share with him that keep us from moving forward, from leveling up in this process that he's trying to take us through. James 1, 14 14 and 15. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So that's not something that came from God. That's something that came from within us. James 1.20, because human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger results in us not submitting our hearts to him. That didn't come from God. That came from us. James 1, 23 and 24, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Again, hearing but not listening. Listening and hearing but not doing. That's an act of volition. That didn't come from God. That came from us. James 1, 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. So we're going to conclude here in verses 21 through 24. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. You find yourself spiraling in something, getting in a bad way. Getting, getting negative thoughts, doubts, fears, pride, all of that stuff that swirls around our head and won't seem to let us go. James says, accept the word that's planted in you because that will save you. I was going through a little bit of a funk uh, this, this week. Um, Jennifer and I were on a little trip to Galveston. And when you're on a vacation with your wife, that's the perfect time to get messed up in your head and get in the funk and make her <laughs> frustrated that she brought you here. Uh, so I was <laughs> She's like, what's wrong? I was like, I don't know. I just, I got all these thoughts swirling around in my head. So I need to take a little bit of a break. And, uh, and I went into the bathroom because that's the holiest place. Right? Yeah. So, but I just needed to step away for a second. And I just, I just, what, what, what can I do? What do I tell people to do? Oh, worship. That's what I needed to do. 
And so I just, I just began, whatever song came into my head, I just began to sing it. Yes, in the bathroom, because the acoustics are better there. <laughs> just began to sing it. And when you begin to declare the word that's planted in you, it breaks deception. It breaks oppression. It breaks the power of the enemy. This is what James is saying. He said, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he saw. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So three points that he's bringing up. I'm going to close with three points, like a normal preacher. This is really cool. (laughs) Three points that James is encouraging us in, in verses 21 through 24. Number one, stop sabotaging yourself. Get rid of all the stuff that is just keeping you out of the flow of God's process. Get rid of all that stuff. God didn't give it to you, so you don't really need it. Get rid of it and embrace the word that's been planted in you. Get into your Bible. Start declaring scriptures over yourself. Put on some, some of your favorite worship music. Start declaring things to be true about God, things that he says to be true about you. Start declaring those things. Stop sabotaging yourself. Don't sit in all of the stuff that's bringing you further and further away. Take action and begin to declare the word of God that can save you. Second thing, don't just listen. Hear and do. Don't just listen. But here, let it sink in and then do. Let it move you to action. And then that last verse, verse 25, follow Jesus with intention and perseverance. He began this chapter by saying, let patience have its work in you. Give God time. He's working through a process with you and with everybody else that you're in contact with. Give him time. Let patience have its perfect work in you so that you will be complete, lacking nothing. I think a big part of the problem is that we, we don't follow Jesus with intention and perseverance. We've got to follow him on purpose. We've got to follow him not just in, in word only. We've got to follow him in word and deed. We, he wants us to dive into this relationship and we need to follow him with intention and purpose. But we also need to follow him with perseverance, not letting every little thing get us off track, not letting everything get us distracted and chasing a bunch of other stuff. Follow him with intention and perseverance. Stop sabotaging yourself. Don't just listen, hear, and do. And then follow Jesus with intention and with perseverance.